so my training was completely different. And uh, I'm meditating now, which is not something that I ever really even thought about. I knew I wanted to move towards doing yoga to help supplement things. Um, and I sort of started thinking about meditation, but I wasn't really sure about it. I didn't really know that much about it. And so I just think everything that I've gotten from both of you guys, from Yogi Triathlete, the physical and the mental training has just up-leveled everything that I've done. Well, and why let that negative energy create your day? I could have let the energy of Lake Sonoma last week with that I didn't finish because I missed the cutoff. I could have let it permeate my entire week and t- take me down this dark spiral. And anytime my mind wanted to go and rehash the whole thing, I would just remind myself I ran the longest I've ever run in my life and climbed the most I've ever climbed in my life. And I got to run the Lake Sonoma course. It was amazing. And I, I got to do that. So I didn't allow that negative energy to bring me into Mendo. I was just focused on Mendo. It's really cool now to be out there and be pushing as hard as I was pushing yesterday and have a mind that was just resting in that experience, in gratitude, and in like complete expansion. Because when you really train yourself to be in the present moment, you realize that that moment is timeless and expansive and there's nowhere else for you to be and there's nowhere else you'd rather be. What's up? Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ and today we're coming to you from the beautiful coastal town of Mendocino, California. We're coming off the Mendocino Coast Ultra 50K that took place yesterday and I have two of my Team Yogi Triathlete teammates with me today, and we're going to smack down our ultra experiences. Before we jump in, I want to thank you all for your support of the show. Seriously, you guys, we are a 100% listener-supported podcast, which means no sponsors and no commercials. If you've been able to take away and enhance your life from this podcast, consider making a pledge on patreon.com forward slash yogi triathlete, which I guess is kind of a commercial, (laughs) (laughs) but it helps us continue our mission to create a better world, you guys, and uh, I think we can all benefit from that. So I am actually going to hand off the helm to my partner in crime, BJ, but first I want to welcome Liz and Jody to the show. Hey. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Liz, you're a veteran. This is like third time you've been on it? Third time. Third time. And Jody, virgin. Virgin. <laughs> yeah, I love it. We're going <laughs> to de-virginize her today. Woohoo! All right, yeah. Beach. That's it's what all, we do here at Yogi Traffic. It's all yours, my friend. All right. Well, we are here, as Jess said, in Mendocino for the 50K. Everyone in this room, except for me, has done this race before. It's Jody's second time, Liz's second time, and Jessica's third time. And uh, so let's just start with, uh, we guys have our return racer. So what brings you back to Mendocino? Jess? I think it's the Stanford Inn. <laughs> and that's freaking scones. <laughs> no, it's the whole experience up here. It's Sid. It's the race director. It's the course, which is incredibly breathtaking. It's the experience of being at the Stanford Inn. The whole thing wraps up into this once-a-year uh, treat that we get to indulge in and it's it's really like it's a beautiful sanctuary up here it's incredibly powerful I love the powerful coast and the dramatics of the cliff and the power of the ocean and 
the race is just, it's small, it's no frills, it's incredibly convenient and easy. I just love it all. The entire experience is what brings me back here. And it's, it's going to be a hard race not to come back to every year. Because of those things. Because and of so everything. It, and it's capped at 150, right? About 150 participants, which makes it really intimate and means that you have to get into the race early. I think registration opens in October? November. November? And it's sold out in less It sells out hours. super quick. Yeah. yeah, less than two hours it's sold out this year. And the wait list. You can get on the wait list. And yeah, and if you, if you don't get in and you get on the wait list, just stay on the wait list because... People are over. Eventually. They're overtraining yeah. out there, <laughs> so they're gonna they're gonna fall away, and you're gonna get into the race. Jody, why do you come back? I know you live locally here. <laughs> yeah, so I'm semi-local. Um, I have property up here, and so I generally love the area. But the race itself last year, it's the only 50k I actually have ever done, and uh, it's something that I will come back to probably yearly. Uh, but the course is just amazing. Um, the views that we see. Like I was telling Jess yesterday or the other day, um, I'm pretty sure there are fairies that live out in the forest. And I was thinking about this morning, you know, you have 10 miles of river with trees and then you spend about, um, what, 20 miles in the forest. And it's so beautiful and so refreshing and just really peaceful. And then you pop out and see the ocean and then you have about another three miles to go and... Like, why wouldn't you want to run that? It's amazing. And you train. You get to train on this course, yeah, too, right? Yeah, so I, the back half, uh, I don't run regularly just because of accessing it yeah. easily. But I train on the uh, beginning 10 miles and uh, the headlands and then the waterfall portion regularly. So I feel privileged um, to be able to do that. That's all. And I feel like those two places are, during the race, they're pretty mentally... Like those are the mentally challenging places because at the beginning you've just got this 10 miles where you're kind of waiting to get into the woods. And then as you know, that, that, that distance between the waterfall and then aid station five, which is the last aid station, is like really you need to be mentally equipped there because it feels like you're running a marathon. So you get to train on the front end and the back end of this race, which are both pretty, pretty challenging. Liz. Because you fly all the way out from Boston to get out here on the Mendocino. You go coast to coast. I think what I love about it is it will always be my first 50K. And what a great first 50K to have. It's some of the most beautiful trails I've ever run on. Um, and being out east during the winter, it's very hard to get on any trails. So by the time I come here, I'm just itching to get on the Mendocino course. Um, everything is so beautiful, the river, the waterfall, the climbs. And it's one of those 50Ks where you think it's easy, but then it's not. There's <laughs> You remember the three big climbs, but there's a lot of little stuff in there that can cut you up. But then you come out at the ocean and the headlands. It's just all amazing. I can't imagine not doing it like Jess said. Yeah, it's not, you think it's like a, it's not, it, it's a kind course, but it's super challenging, mm -hmm. especially the last like four miles. You've got a, like a 200 foot descent on a rope. Talk about what's going to cut you up. And the headlands, which the wind was insane yesterday. And then you run on in deep sand on the, on the beach. So it's like those last five miles are legitimate. For sure. And there's some short, steep climbs. Mm -hmm. Like when you leave aid station five, 
when you descend the rope, cross over the river, and yeah. then go up this steep. So, it, yeah. yeah. It's very tough mudderish. Yeah. <laughs> yes. At the end. It yeah. Really is. Yeah, there's mud. Yep. All right, let's move into the actual races that you guys had. And I want to talk about the approaches because you all had different approaches coming in to this race. Uh, but Jody, let's start with you. You've done it once. What was your what was different this year as opposed to last year? Because let me just say first, everyone here in the room PR'd on this course. And in the in 50Ks, <laughs> everybody PR'd at 50K distance? Yeah. No. No. Okay. On this course, because we were talking about that earlier. There's so many levels of, of PRing. Um, but on this course, everyone in the room um, had successful days. So Jody, what what did you do different? Like what can you what can you pinpoint maybe moved you to a point where you could up level this race, where your your approach was different, physically or mentally? What what do you think? So so many things, right? So I had proper training this time. Last time I went into the race flying by the seat of my pants and um, had sort of really started doing real training the last month when I should have been thinking about tapering. <laughs> so um, last year, uh, I wasn't 100% vegan yet either. So I think so many things changed for me in the last year, where um, maybe like a month after I did the Mendo 50K is when I became fully plant-based. And so over the year, I've been fully plant-based. I have proper training, um, both physically and mentally. And so uh, working, I've been working with BJ for since January 1st, mm -hmm. I think, right? So I sort of took some time off um, and was doing some other racing, but then uh, knew that I needed a little bit more in both mental and physical training. And so I started doing yoga, started having uh, someone holding me accountable where my training is literally given to me on a one day or two day basis. And so I'm the type of person that if I'm given a training plan that's a week at a time and I know my busy schedule, I literally will look at it and be like, well, I don't have time to do that today, so I'm going to switch this and this and do this one. And that's not really what training is probably all about. I need to know that when I get training, I need to do what's given to me and that's given to me for a reason. And then that's ultimately going to get me to where I want to be PRing and finishing races and things like that. Because you have a busy schedule, like yeah. as, as does everybody, but your schedule from Tuesday to Friday yeah. is pretty hardcore. You, you commute an hour each way, each way yeah. uh, on your feet all day. Yeah. 12 plus hours a day. Right. So, so yeah. the big long runs were done on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and sometimes even on Saturdays, it's hard to get a long run in because I'm just exhausted from my week at work. And so Sunday is a better day usually to get a long run in, but sometimes, you know, that that's not how it's going to play out. Right. So. You want to, sometimes we build upon the fatigue <laughs> yeah. you have and then rest going into Monday. Yeah. So my training was completely different and, uh, I'm meditating now, which is not something that I ever really even thought about. I knew I wanted to move towards doing yoga to help supplement things. Um, and I sort of started thinking about meditation, but I wasn't really sure about it. I didn't really know that much about it. And so I just think everything that I've gotten from both of you guys, from Yogi Triathlete, the physical and the mental training has just up-leveled everything that I've done. So, because I'm also working with Jess too on the side um, with some additional like just mental training. So I just think the whole package for me is what I needed and uh, what helped me PR yesterday. And I feel great physically and mentally. What do you think in those challenging moments yesterday, was it the meditation and, and 
your ability to be calm? Like what pulled you out? Or were there any challenging moments yesterday? Oh, sure, right. There's always challenging moments. Um, or moments of opportunity. Yeah, like right. Call it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are certainly times where you start, your mind starts telling you you're tired, you don't feel well, you're fatigued, my feet hurt. Um, but I kept telling myself that I'm not my body, right? I'm not my body and that this will pass and that your body is stronger than your uh, mind tells you that it is. And you just need to like work past that. Um, and so, yeah, I got in like a seven minute meditation before the race started. I got to the start line at like 7 a.m., sat in the car for a few minutes, snuck off to the beach, like did a quick meditation, um, kept telling myself that I'm strong and fearless. And I think that that, that really helped. And I think it's really important for people to know that like a seven minute meditation is going to make a difference. And FYI, everybody has time for a seven minute meditation. You can give me all the excuses in the book, everything that you want but I'm not gonna buy any of them because you've got seven minutes in your day, for sure. Yeah, and anything helps. Yeah, Even one minute of breathing helps, yeah. one breath helps. Mm -hmm. It all adds up. And just like in training, everything adds up, every little bit adds up. So seven minutes, yeah, you've got seven minutes. Heck yeah. So I wanna get back to your okay. plant-based story. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Okay. But I wanna continue on with, um, with Liz and Jess on your preparation or leading into this race, because you both were coming off the Sonoma 50 miler uh, one week ago, six days ago, seven days ago, because it was a Saturday race too. So what, let's start with Liz and we'll finish with Jess, but what was your preparation leading into this race? And then how did, how did you navigate your day? Coming into the Mendo 50K this past week was all about recovery. It wasn't about getting any more mileage or climbing in. It was all about rest, walking. I did a lot of walking. I maybe ran, I ran a couple days after, but it was more like walk for a few minutes, run for one minute, or let's let's say what Shuffle. it is, jog. <laughs> um, well, how did your mind how did your mind work with that? Like knowing that you're not gonna you actually physically be doing a workout. Like what was. What was your relationship to having to, to see that on the calendar, like maybe a walk slash run? Did you have any attachment to actually running to see that you could actually move the legs before the race? I've been meditating for a long time now. And when I see something like that, my mind just tells me to take it one step at a time and just start. So I started with walking for four minutes. And when I got to the minute of jogging, shuffling, I just moved my feet in that direction. And the first couple times, it probably looked pretty funny. But the longer I was out there, the better I felt. And I think it's because of the recovery I was doing. Um, Mike, a friend of Jess and BJ, gave us these compression boots that we had been using. So I was using those. I was eating healthy whole foods. I was drinking a lot of water. I was getting a lot of sleep. And I think the walking around, my daughter and her friends came to visit to watch me in this race. I think that really helped. Um, so you can see that two ways. You can see that as you've got this commitment to your daughter and friends. like you've, And they're teenagers, so you need to drive them around. And they want to experience uh, everything they can on this trip. So you can get caught up in all that. You can get caught up in like, I have to do this, I have to do this. Or you can embrace it and see that it's an opportunity to move your body. Maybe they are there for a purpose to get you out and to move you around. 
Totally. We took a walk. They came in on Tuesday, and we took this walk. We were in San Francisco to Land's End. They wanted to see the bridge. And we probably were out there for an hour, but it was probably the best thing that I did was to move and let that lactic acid move out and just keep things moving around. So I really actually loved walking around with them. And they were actually really good about not pushing me too far and knowing that I needed to rest and I was sore, especially leading to yesterday. And you did some yoga too? I did yoga, yeah. meditation. Rolling, we gave you rolling, a Rolling, yeah. all of it. And then when I met up back up with you guys in Mendocino, I got back in the compression boots. And you were ready for race day? I was, I was totally ready. And I told myself that I wasn't going to think about last week, that this was a new day and a new race, and I was just going to go for it, at least by effort, no matter what that looked like. And I had a super strong race yesterday, all the way through, I'm going to say. And I went out hard, and I kept it hard, and even at the end, the effort was hard, even if maybe the paces weren't, didn't show that. And I just took in the beauty of the entire course, reminding myself that Mother Nature can give me all the energy I need and that I'm not the doer and I can do anything. I'm super strong and fit. And even towards the end when I got to the headlands and the winds were thrashing me around (laughs) like I was a piece of wood in the water, I just took in the power of the water and the wind around me and I just always kept moving forward, always kept moving forward. Yeah, I think, we'll get to this with Jess too, but I think what you experienced last weekend was a huge boost in fitness, like a big stress on the body. Uh, a race like that, doing back-to-back races, can can stress the system, right, stress, and then you need to rest in order to adapt. And so this whole week was rest. So it's like a big deposit into your fitness bank. And I learned this from other coaches, but I've also learned it from my experience the past few years of trying to do back-to-back races and, and feeling that in that week, it's to have the confidence that you'll be okay. Like you don't necessarily need to do the running volume or anywhere near it. You just rest the body and, and focus on what you can, yoga, uh, high vibe nutrition, and rest. Th- those three things um, will line you up for a successful day. And, and it's that commitment to doing that and that belief that you're gonna be okay on race day. And detaching from expectations because you can show up on race day at Mendocino and say like, well, I did the 50, 50 miler last week, so it's okay if I if I fall if I only do like half the race or three quarters of the race. But don't give yourself that out. And we talk about this in in um, just before the podcast. But believe in your fitness. Like you've got all this fitness and strength. That's why you train. That's why you do this. So showcase it. And then on celebration day, let it shine. Well, and why let that negative energy create your day? I could have let the energy of Lake Sonoma last week that I didn't finish because I missed the cutoff. I could have let it permeate my entire week and take me down this dark spiral. And anytime my mind wanted to go and rehash the whole thing, I would just remind myself, I ran the longest I've ever run in my life and climbed the most I've ever climbed in my life. And I got to run the Lake Sonoma course. It was amazing. And I, I got to do that. So I didn't allow that negative energy to bring me into Mendo. I was just focused on Mendo. How do you not allow it? I bring myself back to the present moment and 
I start by having a little conversation like, nope, I'm not, I'm not going there. No, thank you, mind. I'm going to stay right here. I, and I'll start focusing on my breath and I'll just remind myself how healthy and strong I am. I love it. Yeah, that's, it's always coming back to the inner work, right? So if you have that inner perspective, nothing on the outside can dictate what you truly want to achieve. Like all that stuff is inside. And if you build the inside and if you stay with that inside, because you both work with Jess um, one-on-one, it's when you're working with that mindset, anything you do in life, it doesn't matter, driving your kids, you know, moving your trailer, whatever it is, racing, whatever it is, you have that perspective, you have that calmness to get you through um, whatever the challenge is. So, go ahead. What these ladies are are experiencing is that they're having a deeper relationship with their inner world. So most people live in their outer world, you know, what they look like, what they do, what they want. Um, This is going to make me faster. This is going to make me better. And there's a balance, right? We have all of these things in the outer world. It's not about renunciation of the outer world, but it's about paying attention to the inner world because the inner world is the one that's going to give you the direction to what you need in the outer world. So most people have the inner world completely shut down, frankly, because we're scared of it. In our essence, we're scared of it because it's extremely powerful. You guys saw those waves yesterday out on the headlands, how incredibly (laughs) powerful those were. That's not any different than the power that's in your inner world. And so when you start to put these things back into uh, almost like a balance. But then what happens is that you start to let go because you realize that this inner world is the ultimate guide. And it's really powerful and it can be very, very scary. And we were talking about that with our meditation teacher this week, that it's incredibly scary when you start to actually feel and experience the life force that's within you because eventually it takes over your breath. And you realize that the breath is not what keeps you alive in this life. I mean, it's it's pretty wild stuff. And nobody, we don't live in a society that cultivates that. And so it's very odd and it's the unknown and it's beyond the mind. It's beyond the intellect, which wants that known and wants that certainty, which is why it's always looking to data and information and the right pack and the right shoes and the right orthotics and all this other stuff. That's never going to get you the true answers of why you're here. Yeah, and the it, answers are inside. And it's easier to fall back on excuses. Oh, like God, once yeah. you get to this place, you're like, oh, crap. There's that excuse. Can't buy into it anymore. <laughs> Damn yeah. it. And poor, Li- poor Liz. Liz has been with us for, Liz is like the original Yogi Triathlete athlete. And <laughs> she doesn't get away with anything. Nothing. And especially since we've been living together for the last, like, 10 days. I mean, she's yeah, trying Liz, to... Liz continues she, to come out west. She continues to, <laughs> to seek more, <laughs> more attention. She's trying to just have one moment of just her. having a human experience, <laughs> and we're just not letting her have it. Like, she gets no leeway with it's us relentless. whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's shift to you. Like, what was your recovery, Jess? Because it's quite different from, from Liz and Jody. Uh and also your experience as an Ironman athlete, because we were talking about that too, like leading into back-to-back races. Because I don't think we did that much as as we did um, in triathlon, but No, but, but now. it's becoming more and more clear to me what Ironman has given me now as an ultra runner. And it really is this ability to 
suffer. But when I, when I experience that suffering from the power of the inner world, it's kind of a pain in the butt because it's like, like, I know I can do this, you know? So Saturday night after the Lake Sonoma 50, I went to bed literally with visions of myself at the Mendocino behind a volunteer table handing out water, going, great job, great job, you look so strong, and completely at peace with that. Like, I'm just going to volunteer. And then I woke up Sunday morning, and the first thought I had, and it wasn't even a thought, it was this knowing. Oh, man, talk about a pain in the butt. And it was the knowing that I got was, you're going to break seven hours in Mendocino. And I don't think I told anybody that until right now. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. And so then we went into recovery, and it was the boots. Mike Ergo, Transitions from War, dude amazing drove those boots to us on Sunday and we had this like recovery lounge set up in our Airbnb it was awesome yeah it was amazing so those recovery boots are legit we're using the rapid reboot let's give them a let's give them a brand mm -hmm. I mean I'm not partial to anything other than the fact that those things were amazing but I had some rubbing on the back of my heel and I had a hot spot on my foot so putting so knowing that I had Mendocino I wasn't worried I knew that that f my foot would heal totally and that I would be fine for Mendocino because I had that already had that knowing that I was going to break seven hours so I knew that everything was going to be fine but I also knew that I needed to take every step possible to recover my body as well as I could because you can't just have this knowing and be like oh I've got this inner world understanding and I don't need to do anything and I think that's what we see a lot in the spiritual world is this wishy-washiness where nobody really gets anywhere, you know? And so it's like you got to be very meticulous and you've got to do the work, but rest in that knowing that you already know what the outcome is going to be. And so for me, it was not putting shoes on. So what did we do? When we got to San Rafael on the way there, I was like, let's find a hot studio. And we found a hot power vinyasa studio, which is like, I'm sorry, San Diego. I love you so much, but like... The yoga is just, I wish the, there was just an embracement of that hot power vinyasa because it's not, it's not about like, oh yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go hard. It was like, I needed to get in that heat. And I also wanted to exercise my strength. There's nothing wrong with like working my core strength in that recovery and, and keep things turned on. And so I was just, it, that first night, we went on Monday night to this hot class, and it was just like, you were sweating before the class even started. It was amazing. And I had two blocks, and I was like slowly lowering myself down onto my knees and everything. My quads were just super tight. But then come Tuesday, that class had made a huge difference. So I was using the boots. I went to two hot, sweaty yoga classes, and I got to the pool twice. And on Wednesday was the first day that I was like, okay, I'm going to go for a walk. So I bandaged up the back of my Achilles and I was like, okay, if that didn't happen, but I took a few steps around the Airbnb and I was like, all right, I'm good to go. So Clark and I did a hike. We went up and back and it was less than two miles, but it was good to feel how the quads were and everything was recovering really nice. And then Thursday before on our way up here to Mendocino, we stopped at the pool in Petaluma and I got another swim in and really just did about 1,500 in the pool with a 1,000 of that being a kick swim set with using the snorkel. So it was, uh, yeah, it was super helpful. And so there was no running for me. There was no shuffling. There was nothing. And the other thing that I liked about the back-to-back -back 
racing was that it kept me really honest. Like we were in Sprouts one night and I was, I stopped in front of the cereal aisle and I was like, oh, I just want to like destroy a box of something. And then I thought, no, that's not going to serve me. Having processed food, whether it's organic, whether it's vegan, doesn't matter. Like having processed food's not going to serve me. So every night we just had like a big pile of plants. I didn't even have rice or quinoa or anything like that. Which is what we've been doing lately on the road here. I feel like we're living on the road again. Yeah, and so we were getting back to the basics of just like, let's get a bushel of... Kale. Let's get a bushel of kale, a bushel of asparagus, and we'll just have that tonight for dinner. And so we were eating really good. I was having a green smoothie every day. I was in the recovery boots and I was sleeping a lot. And then it was, I'm so blessed to be able to do my job on the road. So I was doing a whole bunch of sessions with um, the meditation and mindfulness coaching that I do. So I was doing sessions with people all over the world. It's so cool that I get to do that and that we can connect. And so it was like I was working and then the other part of my job was just to recover. So by the time we got up here, I felt better, honestly, I felt better going into Mendocino than I did going into Sonoma. And then having this mindset of a belief, really a really hardcore belief that Sonoma, as I rested, I was getting stronger. And that belief translated into my body and I was like, I am really strong, like I'm ready to break seven hours, which was going to mean that I was going to have to run an hour faster than I did last year. But I didn't get caught up in that. I just knew it was going to happen, and I knew it was going to be a push from the start. And I was willing to risk that. I didn't care if I didn't finish. I didn't care. I didn't care. I just wanted to see what was in the tank. I thought it was really cool to use my body as an experiment, and yeah, I did. That's the very that's the very essence of doing back to back races. And that's let's go back to the Iron Cowboy who did fifty. Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states like and he talks about that every day he get, kept getting fitter he was racing every day now that's an extreme case but it just shows he was training his way to the to 50 of these races day after day after yeah, day he says like the first 15 was like training it was like training and then it was just <laughs> and he was his fittest at the 50th one so there is something to it but I think for the uh for the normal humans that we are not the iron cowboys that having that week's the week in between the days in between you do everything you can to rest and recover swim yoga nutrition i liked it yeah the rapid reboots all of that the meditation uh bringing things way down because you are you stress the body and then you rest the body and then all this adaptation occurs and you can continue this cycle and just see how things continue to grow and i felt it last year when i did that uh cowboys race after Ironman Mount Tremblant, six days after, I felt that on that course. I, I didn't do any training in between, but I was strong and fit. And that that just up-leveled in my mind because it's a, really a mindset to have. You talked about that, like a mindset that you can do this. You can do race after race after race if done well. Like the whole training program needs to be, as Jody was talking about before, like you need to have that solid training, that base, that that person, if you can't, self-regulate, have that person, that outside perspective, be able to to see how your training's going and to, to jump in when you need to rest. The, the outside perspective is huge. And BJ, you're self-coached, but I'm kind of like your coach in that way where I'm watching it. And, you know, I'm watching you now, especially really closely as you get, as you get closer. And I can see this because you have such a strong drive to like keep training, keep training. And I feel like I'm kind of standing right in the middle of that going, whoa, let's just take a minute here and just take a breath. Do you really need to do this? Or is it better for you to just kind of adapt today? You know? Yeah, and that's and what happened this morning. I actually, you know, I was 
volunteering. I was supporting you guys <laughs> yesterday uh, because it's what I do. And today I felt like I needed to move the body. And so I headed out early this morning on a run and I got to the end of the drive and I just thought, man, we're in this amazing, beautiful place. I need to take Clark out because Clark too was just in the car yesterday and he was giving lots of love. I mean, he was a big, big contributor yesterday too, giving out all his energy. And actually people were super excited to see him. They're like, that's Clark. (laughs) We love Clark. (laughs) Everybody loves Clark. So I came back to the room and I got Clark and I drove down to where the start was of the Mendocino 50K and got out on the trail and just ran with him. And I knew his mileage is like two-ish, but ended up, he took me to two and a half miles out and then we ran two and a half back and he was just so excited. He's under the table now, passed out. Usually he pops up, but that's what it takes. That's that's being confident and knowing and having that perspective, outside perspective, that you're fit enough, you're strong enough, and maybe I don't need to do that whatever structure to run today. Maybe I just need to go with my dog because the joy and smiles that I got from it were and and the joy that he experienced from it and is tax, so much more. The tax that you've been having of like waiting on Liz and I for a week and then like driving up here and standing on your feet all day. Like that's a tax on you, um, energetically and physically. And so it's, you gotta be flexible and you've been getting in some insane training this Some really quality training. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So guys, this is awesome. I want to, um, let's keep it moving. Yeah. we got to keep it moving. Can I say one thing? Yes. So one thing I wanted to say was in past races, before I was meditating a lot, I would easily go into an aid station maybe at my first 50K. And I think we are under the assumption that you start to meditate and you go into your inner world and it's not going to hurt or you're not going to suffer, <laughs> which is completely wrong. It's actually like the opposite. It's absolutely the opposite. <laughs> but yesterday and at Sonoma, even when I was suffering and hurting, I came into the aid stations like, isn't this amazing? This is awesome. Thanks, volunteers. And even when I came up from the last aid station and got to the ocean, I just put my arms out and thanked Mother Nature, to anybody who was listening. That changes your whole perspective and keeps you moving forward. And my daughter got to see that. Her friends got to see that. My athletes got to see that. It makes such a... And if you can inspire one person, each of us, by what we did this week and yesterday, wouldn't that be amazing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they That's did. That's how we create a better world. I, I, and people, Amen. People noticed because our vibrations, the yogi triathletes and the running inventees, like those athletes that were coming through, you could, I could see it in the, in the stations. It was, it was a difference between coming in, smiling, you know, getting, getting what they needed with nutrition and then getting out versus the athletes that would come in and hang out and shop along, you know, <laughs> shop the table. Don't do it. Shop don't the don't table. Do that. Ask questions. How much mileage is left? What's the terrain like? Is it like what we just ran on? And all these perspectives are asking for people's perspectives and people's perspectives range depending on what their experience is with, with all of these, uh, the trails, the, the race atmosphere. And so you're, you're putting a lot of, uh, Wait on what they're gonna come, what they're gonna say, and and all that, that is feeds. is the mind yeah, wanting. It's to know. the neediness yeah. of the mind. Yeah. It's the desperation of the mind, and so you're putting your experience. You're trying. You're you're like you're satisfying the mind. So number one, it's like mind score one. You know, inner world zero, 
every single time you do that. And it's like you're, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to have this full experience, to have this full, powerful experience that is your divine right because, in essence, we're too scared to have that because it's mm. the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right. So I want to move it along to nutrition because everybody wants to know what we did for nutrition. I'm going to start with Jody because I want to back up just a little bit and we'll get to the nutrition on the race day. But you're plant-based. Yes. So you're or vegan now. Yeah. Um, Vegan AF, as you like yep. to put on Instagram. <laughs> vegan AF. <laughs> yeah, BJ said that at breakfast. He was like, yeah, because we also had Carol out there, who's right. also a yes. yogi triathlete team member. She c- couldn't be here this morning, but BJ was like, Carol's vegan and Jody's vegan. I said, ah, Jody is vegan AF. <laughs> Make no mistake. I'm sort of a sailor with my mouth, so, no, you know. That's okay. It's good to have another sailor on the show. <laughs> told me this morning, don't cuss. I'm like, no, it's okay to you cuss, but I'll please. try not to. Yeah. You can say totally. whatever you want. Yeah. I've been we holding want, myself back. We want authenticity. <laughs> what is your, so what's your story? How did you, so you said you did this last year at the Mendocino. Yeah. This is when you first transitioned. So what, what was, what was the motivator for becoming a, a vegan athlete? So, I, so I knew that this race was 100% plant-based. Um, and so that was intriguing to me. And I had been vegetarian on and off, um, throughout my life. And then I sort of went back to eating whatever I wanted because uh, I I'm, I feel like I'm sort of a foodie, um, but you can still be a foodie and be vegan. Um, so that's pretty exciting, actually. Um, but I had heard about the China study like several years ago, and Ben and I had talked about it, and I had told him we're going to be vegan at some point. Like that just – it is what it is. Like we will eventually be vegan. I don't know when, but I just feel like that's where we have to end up. And so it sort of just came into play. Um, I had um, had some coaching um, before I became yogi triathlete, and uh, he was 100% vegan. And so he actually helped me uh, transition into veganism and um, was really had a great perspective about how you just take it step by step, little by little, and you don't force it. And so I actually was able to transition in three weeks. Um, and I love cheese a lot. And so I thought I'm never going to be able to give up cheese. And I actually gave up cheese before I gave up eggs. Um, so, so eggs was the last. Yeah, eggs was, last. was yeah, the last thing. But it was super easy for me because I was ready. Like you can't force it. You have to want to do it. And when I was, when I knew that I was ready, then it all just fell into place. And then my husband has been vegan maybe like three or four months. So he didn't do it right away, but pretty much everything in the house is, was vegan. So it was just, we aren't eating like that at, or we're eating vegan at home. And so if he ate something, it would be outside of the house. But then he was like, yeah, I, I'm ready to be vegan too. So now it's a hundred percent. Was there a moment, like what was the moment where you made that choice, that, that awareness came into your thoughts or beliefs? Is there I knew I needed a change. And so I was looking to change for health reasons, you know, and I just, I think that with the previous coaching that I had, like that was sort of meant to be because he was vegan. And so, and I wasn't, and then I started asking questions about it. And so like, that was the point where I think he came into my life to help me become vegan and um, was also coaching me. And then it kind of went from there. Um, but I just, it's interesting because I started out for health reasons and it really turned into once I started exploring being plant-based, I was really shocked at the environmental impact of eating animal products and, um, just 
the carbon footprint and ethical. Like I never, I work in veterinary medicine and I'm really embarrassed to think that I never even put two and two together that I've worked in veterinary medicine for 25 years and, and, you know, deal with food animals and, and, you know, we, that's what I do for a career, uh, not food animals specifically, but we, you know, we work with animals. And then I started looking at the ethical portion of it too. And so I was pretty mortified. So it literally went from health to environmental to ethical. So. And you said that you've, in your hospital, that some of the animals from Farm Sanctuary yeah. come there. And so that must have been a like a really big realization when yeah. you're just like, oh my God, they have been rescued from the very thing that I've been supporting. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just... It's just how effective that veil is, how protected we are from the truth. And uh, and it's hard, I think, once you start discovering this inner world of like power and, and that power is all fueled from love and compassion. I mean, just scientifically, that we know that meditation increases the gray matter in the part of our brain for compassion. And so it's really hard, like you, you kind of get this this kind of conflict, but always feeling into what's right for you. And like, I will never shame anyone for eating meat because I used to eat like 11 pieces of bacon for breakfast <laughs> on my I, 11 pieces. That was always what I had in the morning. My dad's like, how many pieces? I'm like 11. And, <laughs> but that's where I was. Like I cheese addict, total cheese addict, had no idea. Yeah. And, um, and so it's, in your own time, mm-hmm. you know, it will, it will happen and it's all, it's all right on time. And so, yeah, I mean, to, ha- to have that veil lifted and to see the connection is pretty profound. Yeah. That, that yeah. For 25 years, you've been like physically touching animals. Like mm-hmm. you're there with the animals and that. And you love that, animals. And yeah. you love animals. And that just, that doesn't come up. Like it doesn't appear, but in its own time it does. And then you just keep exploring. Have you always been curious? Has uh, curiosity always been about hot? veganism or, or just curiosity overall? Sure, sure, of course, right? I hope everyone's curious, right? Because that's yeah. how we sort of expand and move to different things. Versus having this story and yeah. these, these fine lines, like as long as you fit in this box, you're yeah. okay. You're it's safe. It's good to question. Yeah, question. Yeah. What do people think at work around you? Do you have it's any It's interesting because uh, feedback? Yeah, no, uh, we because we all work with animals, right? And I don't, I think for the most part, um, a lot of people don't think about it, you know, just like I didn't think about it. And a few of the people I work with are vegetarian. Um, one recently became vegan. So I think that like kind of helped influence that. She was so super excited. She's like, I'm, I'm going vegan. And I was like, that's awesome, you know? So, um, and now when we have work parties and things like that, um, people, and I don't expect anyone to do anything special if I have like a dietary, you know, difference from them, but they're really accommodating. And so they'll like bring something that I can eat or that I choose to eat. Uh, so that's really cool. So everyone's really, you know, accepting about it. And at least so. it gets people out of the box. Yeah. That's and awesome. and people are willing to try stuff too. If I bring it in, you know, like, it's not like people are like, Ooh, it's vegan. Like people try stuff. So it's, you know, just, yeah, yeah. I think the ooh, it's vegan. Like I feel like that's starting to fizzle out. Yeah, because it's like um, it's like oh yeah, maybe that's vegan. Yeah, give me some of that. Like it tastes <laughs> tastes. So good. as a cheese good. addict, you have have you had Jules? Yes, I love it. Can you get it online? You're buying it online. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I saw yes. the other day they're doing like a Gouda now and and yeah. they had like a cheese 
the cashew cheese spread. Oh, did that they was send like you some like lemony one? Oh my gosh, so that's, good! They're so yeah, amazing. Amazing. Cool. Do they ship out east yet? I don't. I don't know because I actually uh, they're trying to sort of hone in on their shipping for summer months. And where I live, I'm far enough away that um, it's too hot. I think for them to ship. So like, I'll start again in November or I told her I'm like you know like November through April it'll be fine but you know I can't like you know it's just we should have done a transport up here yes. I know oh, why whoa that, whoa. Was, that was that was bad okay All right, I so, guess another reason to move out here yes yep, you need exactly. to get California. <laughs> California zip code alright race nutrition what was your race nutrition like let's let's bang through this so I think that I generally don't eat enough probably when I'm training or racing uh I don't know why. I just, I try to get it in, but I just don't feel like I want to eat a bunch. So I looked back over my packets and um, I ate like four applesauce packets, and those are like 60 calories each. I ate eight Huma gels, which are about 100 calories each. Um, and I think, oh, and two scratch like um, gummy, and those are like 160 each. And I thought it was all, and then I had like 140 calories in liquid because the scratch is like 70 calories a scoop. Um, I drank a lot of water. I tried to eat um, a PB&J off the aid station. I took one bite, spit it out, and threw it in the bushes. <laughs> I couldn't. I just, it was not going to happen. That's good, um, though. You listen yeah. to your body. Like, yeah. Try it. Get yeah. curious about it. See if that's going to work. Yeah. And I took an Oreo with me or whatever that's they had out there. That's what you did. Yeah, I you never ate it. It's pocket. still in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, yeah. So, I probably, like, looking back at the calories and the mileage, you know, because my, uh, you know, it's about a 33-mile race. Um I, I don't think I took in enough calories, but I wasn't. But how did you feel? Yeah, I felt fine. I, you know, I mean, there's times where, you know, I, if I had more calories, maybe I would have been a little bit more energetic or a little bit stronger. But I never felt like I was gonna bonk. I never felt like I was lacking. Um, and even at the end, when I finished, like I ate a, li a li like half a bean burrito, but. Other than you that, famished. no, I and, wasn't. And you were aware, like every yeah. time I talked to you at the A stations, your your mindset was there, and that's a good cue for those out there that want to know if they're down on nutrition. It's like when your mind starts wandering, when you when you your your thoughts are being pulled away, and you're not really focused, you start stumbling, or mm -hmm. like that is maybe an opportunity to get in some calories. Yeah. So okay. I yeah I felt like I was on point, uh, and I try to balance caffeine and. Um, non-caffeinated gels and I really like the Huma gels because I don't look at them as gels you know because I think it's they're more liquidy too yeah, right they're not as thick and it's yeah. chia seeds and things like that and um, I had some other stuff with me I just decided not to eat it but I think maybe only three of those packets were caffeinated okay. and I try to balance it so I don't eat them like right in a row so I'm spreading it out over the day and you normally drink coffee I do. So okay. I had coffee in the morning yesterday. and Did you have cola at the I end? didn't. Okay. I've never done that before, and I don't drink soda anyway, and so I, I just passed. <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah, let's, I would say successful. You had a successful nutrition experiment. You collected a good information yeah. on nutrition. And maybe next time or during training, we just start working on adding a few more calories because you want to go to that point where you're like, oh, maybe there's a little too much. Yeah. And then you know. Yeah. And, and, of course, every situation is unique, you know, based on weather and heat and humidity and, and intensity. So mm -hmm. keeping your nutrition plan fluid is super important. Yeah. But it's I good to have that 
that solid foundation. Yeah, and I was still eating at the end. Like I was still eating food on the headlands. I was Good. slowly putting a, you know, a scratch gummy in my mouth. You know, so that packet lasted me probably three miles. But I just slowly put it in because I'm like, yeah, I'm almost done, but I still need to eat. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was good. Good. Yeah. All right, Liz, nutrition. How'd you do? <laughs> so I've realized recently that I've been fueling out of fear. And yesterday I actually allowed myself to just listen to what I actually needed. And I did what I normally do before the race, three hours. I get up, I mix together protein powder, banana, and applesauce. And then I had a spring energy gel maybe about 15 minutes before race start because I was feeling a little hungry. I wasn't just doing it because, oh, no, you're supposed to have a gel 15 minutes before race start. And, and then during the race, I did a lot of liquid calories this time. I just wanted to test it out. And I found that for me, taking in liquid calories is much easier for me. And I probably drank two bottles with goo roctane in it. Two at bottles the beginning, or what a the bottle? first hour. The so like my fun. soft bottle. Yeah, a soft bottle. I had plain water in my hydration bladder this time, where usually I put some type of um like noon or something in there. And and then I maybe in the second hour I had two gels. Whereas at Lake Sonoma, I was eating like three an hour and I got to the point where I was feeling nauseous. Yesterday, I think I felt nauseous more towards the end, but that's because I think of how much I was push, really pushing my body yesterday. And then I just, I stayed on Goo Roctane the whole time. I maybe had six gels, one being one of their higher calorie, 235 with caffeine, but I... That would, was the only thing I took in in that hour. I just, I didn't pay attention to every 20 minutes. I just was like, what do I need right now? Like if I started to feel a little down or, or if my stomach was feeling off, do I need anything? Do I need to eat or do I need to back off? And because I think I, would, I felt like, if, well, if I do nutrition like this, every 20 minutes, I'm going to feel awesome and again, not suffer. And that's just not the way it works. And I would say I barely took in anything once I reached the headlands. My goal was just to get to the finish line, and I was pushing it as hard as I could and moving as hard as I could, but I probably took in a couple sips of Goo Roctane at that point. And then when I finished, I just wanted water, and, and then I had a Stanford and scone, which was really tasty. <laughs> but I did take in Coke at the um, 8 Station 5, which was very tasty, and I think I ate at one aid station, I wanted PB&J. My body was saying, you need PB&J. Actually, the one I saw you at at aid station three, and I ate it while I was running. And I think at aid station four, chips looked good, but I had a couple and they didn't, so I, I didn't finish. Is cola something you normally integrate into no, your training? No. no, this is new for you. No, 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 no. I, but at races, I drink it. Usually at this, one of the last aid stations, I always take it. Okay. Um, it tastes good. Feels good. Yeah, there's, there's something about and you and um, back to Jody and Ben. You guys came in. Ben was having some mm. stomach issues, mm -hmm. so there were ginger. I don't know if you guys saw the little ginger, ginger aids or what are they called? Ginger. The gingins. The yeah. gingins, but also soda. Like, I almost grabbed a few for you I, for later because I know you like them. <laughs> I was really like, good. oh, should I get this for me? <laughs> um, but the, yeah, the soda can actually help relieve the digestion in the in the stomach. So taking a little bit of cola is good. And I think he took in some. Ben took in some cola. Mm -hmm. So that's super important. Yeah. 
what what the and I'm sure Jess is going to talk about this too in her recap of nutrition. But the the common thread through all of this is just presence, mm-hmm. right? Presence into how you are feeling in that moment, knowing that you have everything you need if you need it. But what do you need in that moment? What is your body telling you? And it could be like peanut butter, like maybe it's not what I need or chips. Maybe it's something I don't, but I need to just test it out and see how it feels, but don't be attached to it. Like it'll get you through those whatever few moments and then reassess and constantly come back to the moment, constantly come back to the moment. And that works with nutrition. It works with your racing, constantly come back. Are you pushing as hard as you can? What do you need to get you to that finish line? And so I I feel like that's all. And we'll get to that in your final question about meditation and mindset. But I feel that's a common thread here and it can be applied to everything. And we're just talking about this particular instance, which is nutrition, which is just one of two things. You guys have heard me say this. One of two things, nutrition and pacing can derail your experience on race day. If you're tuned into those, if you're really cued in, you'll have a successful day. Are you going to say something? Well, I was just going to say that we often look outside ourselves what nutrition's gonna work? What are they using? Maybe that'll work for me. Maybe that'll make the race easier. And when yesterday I listened to truly what works for me, eating during a race takes a lot of energy for me. What's the easiest way to take care of that? Drink it. And that's, it really worked for me yesterday. And just knowing that I listened to my body was a huge win yesterday. Great. Then, then you took away, then you collected some great information. Great information. Move forward with it. Awesome. Jess, dial in your nutrition here. because <gasps> Guroctane all the way, baby. Guroctane. We, we are Amen part on of that. Salty Squad. Yeah, I'm Lip-Lip not Goo. just saying this because we're a but, part of Salty Squad. Those but we liquid calories are gold. So I took, like Liz, I had the applesauce, protein powder, banana three hours before the race. Did a 20-minute meditation, then took an hour nap, and then got up, race ready. Woke up. I was like, I get to do this today. I had a gel 15 minutes. I had a a goo mandarin orange gel 15 minutes before the start. And then during the race, I took seven servings of goo roctane. So they're 250 calories a serving. So seven over a less than seven-hour uh, we were waiting for the official results. My watch said like I did like 6.50 something, but I think the official clock said it was 6.45, so we'll just see what that looks like. So I did seven servings of Goo Roctane in my soft bottles, and then I took three gels. The other thing that I have gotten back to, which I haven't done since Ironman Lake Placid, is I've gotten back to taking the BCAAs. So we used to use MAP, and now we're using the Goo BCAAs. So I took four of those upon waking, uh, not waking up, but I took four of those amino acids, um, capsules about seven o'clock yesterday morning. The race start was at seven 30. And then every hour religiously, I took two every single hour. And then in the last hour I had four left in my bag and I just pounded four. So I took those three gels and seven bottles of goo roctane in the last aid station, I hit up some Coke, and that was it. I had no stomach issues. I had no moment of my body saying I don't want anything. I had, there was no doubt whatsoever in my nutrition. Like I, and, I, and I was pushing harder than I've ever pushed. I mean, I got to, so you had given me some advice uh, about just going from the start. 
and so I just went from the start. And Liz and I were on that 10-mile stretch, and we were running together, and I was like, this is definitely faster than I've ever taken a race out before. And she's like, yeah, me too. I mean, it was faster than, like, what I train at, which is, that's what a race should be, right? And I got to mile seven, and I thought, well, I got 25 miles left. Like, I pushed it from No Name Flat last weekend. I'm going to push this next 25 miles. And you had said, like, in those last 10 miles, I want you to get to a pace where you don't know if you can hold it. And I felt like I was there at, like, mile 16. <laughs> and But I didn't, it, it was fine. It was totally fine. One of the things, another thing that Ironman has really taught me is being able to be moving while I'm taking in fuel because you have to do it on the bike and taking in your fuel and opening gels and refilling your bottles on the bike is a lot more risky than it is when you're running. So I'm really, really good at that. And what I would do is I would finish the Roctane and then on a climb, I would open up the packet, which was like, uh, I felt like a piranha, those just rookie move. I should have cut those goo Roctane. So I'm talking, not talking about the gels, I'm talking about the powder that goes, the liquid calories. I should have cut those open and even having a rubber band on them or just folding them over would have been better than trying to rip them apart like a piranha. But what I did learn is that we are not meant to tear flesh. <laughs> nope. No way. Because I could not, we're not even meant to tear open packets of. And maybe those packages are for, not for actually racing with. But I think that they are. I don't know. Because they're individual serving. You look at Scratch, look at Scratch's thing. They've got a perforated little rip thing. But anyway, Anyway. um, so what I would do is I was just super efficient yesterday. And so on the climbs, I would undo the bottles, I would put the powder in there. And then when I get to the aid station, all I had to do is fill up the water. And I had four of those packets with me. Ended up taking seven total because they had goo roctane on the course, which actually I wasn't aware of. And they had tropical fruit, which was yummy. Yeah, it was really yummy. And um, yeah, I was just really, I blew through aid station two. Didn't even stop because I knew I had what I needed. Because I needed every second, every second to do what I did yesterday. And so I knew that every second, every second counted. Um, so my nutrition was, it was awesome. And I was I was like, after the race, I was like, couldn't eat enough. I, and so you might look at that and say, well, she didn't take in enough. But I, I did take in enough. I just, my body was ready. Because I don't think that you can take in, you can't take in what you're expending. And so my, what that shows me is that my gut was so ready to just continue to absorb. So I had like a burrito at the burrito bar, which is one of the reasons why I keep coming back to this race, because that burrito bar is amazing. And then I got like room service and had an entree and like an entree salad. And then I texted Liz like at night. I'm like, can I get some snacks from your snack bag? Because I knew she had like, a bag of <laughs> snacks. And I just couldn't get enough food in me. So my gut was like ship shape coming off of that mm-hmm. race yesterday. Yeah, that's yeah. what I took. Pretty simple. Nutrition, man, nutrition is like, is really everything. And I think, I believe, strongly believe that the nutrition that we use on race day, we can do anything that, that we are doing because of our diets, our everyday diet. Like everything that we put in our body is a conscious decision and lays that foundation in our gut to easily absorb these, you know, quick calories come race day. I just want to mention, that's awesome, Jess. Like you've worked on your nutrition. All of you guys have worked on your nutrition in training, which is... But for like a race, of your, like for me yesterday to be pushing it like from mm. that mile seven, like I was really starting to feel swirly sensation at mile seven uh those liquid calories were amazing 
yeah, it just felt like it was absorbing. Those were and, the best. Yeah. And mind, mindset's everything, so. I want to just comment on uh, Carol, who wasn't able to be here, but she she commented on her nutrition. Um, and she's really, she's, that was her first uh, 50K, and her first marathon was just a few weeks ago. Yeah, and she rocked it. Carol's totally awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> she's she, awesome. She sent some over. notes. She ate three hours before the race, she said was genius. Um, she was... She's uh, hungry and looking forward to her early morning breakfast at four. So in a way, she was not hungry um, during the race. So she understood this was something we incorporated into her eating, which is eat three hours before the race start. And that's something Jess and I learned from the people that we worked with and we've passed on to our athletes, like getting those that go, big meal in early. And going to bed the night before slightly hungry. Yeah. Right. The night before your race is not your biggest meal. No, it's not. Um, so Carol also said, looking back at her race nutrition, she can see she did not eat enough. Despite BJ's reminder, she had approximately 12 peanut butter pretzels, a half sleeve of Cliff Blocks, a goo, and a fig bar. And she struggled with not feeling hungry and wanting to avoid stopping to eat and frustrate forward progress. So in hydration, she was happy with hydration, 36 ounces of electrolyte beverage, um, and she had cola at the final aid station. So, you know, this is someone who's new to endurance sports. So we're working through nutrition. There's no wrong or right. It's just experience. And so... Carol's having her experience where she's trying to find out what, where's that level where she feels confident that she has enough calories in her body, yet she doesn't feel full, but she doesn't feel hungry, yet she's able to continue at an effort that's going to get her to the finish line. And so that, that can be a scary situation for a lot of people entering the sport. It's the unknown. It's the unknown. So Carol just went out there and she had an amazing experience. She had her husband and two sons there to support her. And I just want to applaud her for, for just getting out there and and taking it, actually, all of you guys. She it's crushed been, it. You I'm guys, so proud of you all. Um, we all did. Yeah, just amazing. So Carol PR'd because it was her first 50K. <laughs> <laughs> Liz PR'd with 11 minutes. Jody PR'd at 40 minutes, 50 minutes. 40? 50. I think it was, uh, okay, I'll take it. Or 40. Is it 40? <laughs> I think it's 40. Okay, 40 minutes. Re- results aren't up yet. <laughs> and Jess PR'd by an hour on this course. So what can, what can you guys take away you know, wrapping this up, what can we take away um, as far as what did you take away from the race from the perspective of having a strong mindfulness practice? Um, knowing that you have the physical training, knowing that you, you've done the miles, you've done the work, what can you take away from this race and what do you think you can apply to future races? Let's start with you, Jody. So I feel like I approached it as it is what it is. So whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Um, and I'm not going to force anything. I'm just going to sort of go with the flow. Um, I knew I was fit enough um, to do the race. And I was secretly hoping to PR, you know. But it, if it didn't happen, I was okay with it. And, you know, there was a time where I felt nauseous on the course. And I'm like, well, if I vomit, I vomit. <laughs> it is what it is. You know, it's whatever happens, happens. And so I think that that is not what my previous mindset has been like, and I still fall into that and stress about stupid of things, course you, do. you know, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, previously I'd be like, Oh my God, what if I get sick on the course? I don't want to get sick on the course or what if this happens or what if that happens? And that's not there anymore, at least not very often. So sure. It still sneaks in. Right. But then I recognize that it sneaks in and then I'm able to deal with it better. Uh, so I sort of just had this, approach where I'm just going to take it as it comes and I'm out here to have a good time and be in nature and and just see what can happen and I was okay with whatever happened 
like honestly okay. So I told you guys the couple nights beforehand, I had gotten pretty sick and I don't even know where it came from and it went away really fast. And I literally was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I have a race in two days, like, and I'm sick and I don't know why I'm sick. And then it went away and it was fine. But then I had told myself then, if I can't race, I can't race. It doesn't, that's not what makes me. It just is. So I was okay with it and everything turned out great. So it always does. Yeah. It always offs the good. Right. Yeah, and I think what, and we've we've talked about this before, Jody. You're you're surrendering, you're surrendering, right? And surrendering doesn't mean like, oh, here's the white flag. I'm not going to do anything. Surrendering means you stand up, and you get the work done, but you don't push against. You yield to what is, right? You yielded to like being sick, and you were just in that moment and surrendering to like whatever. Like the race is two days away. It doesn't. It's not right now. You're not on. So just surrendering to what it is that life gives you in that moment. And again, surrender doesn't mean you just lay back and do nothing. It just means that you're not wasting your energy pushing against what's happening in your life. And it makes life so much easier when you can just yield to it and be like, okay, cool. What am I here? What, what, what is this teaching me? Because everything is a teaching moment in this or school. And I know BJ, sorry, I know BJ, and you've probably said this as well, you know, everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. So, you know, whatever happens, it was supposed to be that way. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, being okay with it. Like the run this morning, like not doing my prescribed workout, but going to run with Clark. Like I'll be okay on race day. One workout, one whatever is not going to dictate the outcome. Mm -hmm. So it's it's being flexible. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Liz? I've had a lot of up leveling this year going back to when I went to Ethiopia in January. And this year has been one of expansion for me. And without mindfulness and meditation, I wouldn't see all this learning that has already occurred for me. And it's not even the end of March. I've done, this is my third ultra already this year. And I would say that the biggest thing coming out of this week, and I might get emotional, (laughs) is that... I'm actually enough, no matter what happened at Sonoma, no matter what the clock said yesterday, I'm enough. So to me, that's a huge win. That's a big, <laughs> big up level. <laughs> I think that's the message of, yeah. of life. My God, like if people are listening, this is it. Like this is what it is. Like we are all are enough. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. With the distances or how big or long or short, it's it's everything we have is inside us. And we, if we just, like Jess was saying, just go inside and, and let who we are, just be us. Be you out there, whatever that looks like. And you're going to see, it's going to constantly come up. These challenges are going to be relentless. And that's why we have this awake and ready mentality. You have to be on to it. Once you're on to it, you can see these things. And you can't go back. And I remember, Liz, like even before the beginning of the year, you were... St- talking about how this is going to be a year of expansion. I was like, oh, man, she's going to get brought to her knees. (laughs) Because that's what expansion is. And that's why we're so scared to go in. Because when we go in, we've got to rid ourselves of the muck and all of the limiting belief systems. And we have to be willing to let go of who we think we are so that we can become who we are Mm -hmm. always meant to be. And not only who we are always meant to be, but who we already are. We spend our whole lives trying to become who we already are. Mm. 
So the do you, joke's on us, man. Do you want to be the best, second best version of somebody else or the best version of yourself? And we get caught up in that external comparison, right? Mm-hmm. Everything's inside. Jess, final thoughts on your meta. Like, how did you, man, what did you take away from this? Because I see it firsthand. I get the inside scoop, but what can you share with the audience about your your mindfulness and, and perspective on coming through this race, your third 50K and Mendocino, back-to-back races, a career of 15 years of endurance sports. What's that, left to learn? Oh, there's so much left to learn. But training, training the mind has been the single most important thing that I could do for my performance and for my life and what I've experienced over the last year, and it keeps uh, showing up, and so it's great because I won't go back, like you just can't go back, is that my mind is now resting in the experience. And so whereas before, you know, years ago, it was, it was I remember being on the marathon course at Ironman Lake Placid on that insane day. Remember that day? That was the day that I realized that I'm willing to die and that I'm okay with it. When uh, I was stuck in that... What part? The thunderstorms or the descending... That hill. Just being <laughs> in the descent, that seven mile crazy descent in a severe thunder and lightning storm, having no brakes, like shivering so much that my feet were unclipping from my from my bike and just being like, and I had been really studying the Bhagavad Gita and being like, all right, well, I'm like, I might as well just relax into this experience and just whatever. And then I got to the bottom, and I was still alive. And I ended up uh, PRing, ran my fastest marathon that day. But I remember that day, my mantra on the run was, I can do miraculous things with very little effort. And I said that every single step for 26.2 miles. And I don't, it's not that I don't need those mantras anymore, but they're almost like a distraction, kind of like how music became a distraction for me. I just much prefer now resting my mind just rests in the experience, which is really funny because my whole, what sparked this whole journey for me in this whole quest, which has now become the work that I do and the life that I live in this world, was the absolute anguish that I would get in a yoga class when the teacher told me to quiet my mind and to just leave everything on the other side of the door. And I didn't know how to do that. Nobody ever taught me how, and it made me crazy. And so I went on this like search to learn the how, to teach people the how. And when I found my yoga teacher who taught me the how, which was the simplest thing, the simplest thing anybody could ever ask you to do, and I practiced that, I now have a quiet mind. And it's crazy that the thing that almost made me like kill my yoga teacher (laughs) in that first (laughs) class where I was like having visions of hurting the yoga teacher is now what I'm experiencing. And so if meditation is not in your wheelhouse right now, just if it's in your awareness, it's in there for a reason. And just start every morning with one conscious breath because you'll get there. And it's really cool now to be out there and be pushing as hard as I was pushing yesterday and have a mind that was just resting in that experience in gratitude and in like complete expansion. Because when you really train yourself to be in the present moment, you realize that that moment is timeless 
and expansive. And there's nowhere else for you to be. And there's nowhere else you'd rather be. I think we get into that mentality of uh, arriving in the, in the spot we want to be, like we're at this race. But then we start thinking about the end of the race or what's going to happen tomorrow or the next race. So there's always that something else. And so that's why the presence that you have, it keeps you in the moment. And I, you know, we, I teach yoga classes at night uh, over in Oceanside. And when the people get there, I talk about, yeah, you guys have looked all forward all day to get to this spot. And now you're here at the yoga class, you're probably thinking about what you're going to make for dinner. You're probably thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow morning. But you were thinking about being here. Just just come back to your breath in this class. And so taking one conscious breath, I think, is a is an a easy way to start uh, a morning meditation practice. It's the simplest thing in the world. It's so simple. And so you just master that one breath, and then you get the skill. You just keep taking that breath and and be in the very instant of that breath, the very thread of that breath. And then you, you sew another moment into that. And then you sew another moment into that. And it doesn't mean that there aren't thoughts that I have, because there are, but there's a lot of time when that mind is just rested. It just doesn't have anything to say. It's really cool. That's awesome. <laughs> all right, guys, let's wrap this up. What's, all right, one thing, are you gonna be back to Mendo and then what's next? Jody. You coming back? Yes, of course. Yeah. So I'll be back to Mendo. Uh, I have a metric century uh, next Saturday that I'm writing. And then after that, I have nothing on the book. So we'll see what happens. And I want to do a 50 mile ultra at some point. So we'll see when that happens. But it will happen. Maybe the 50 50. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Good answer. Surrender. Liz, what do you, uh, you'll be back in the Mendocino and. What's after that? In two weeks, I have Tiger Claw out in Seattle at Tiger Mountain. It's a 22-mile, 8,200 feet of climbing. And then after that, <laughs> some <laughs> rest, I think. And then, I, I mean, later this year, I have Javelina 100K. So right now, that's all that's on the books. And I'm waiting to see if maybe a 50-miler this summer speaks to me. But so I don't know. All right. Jess? Well, um... I'm about to announce something really exciting by the end of the month, so stay tuned for that. But it will yield to me being able to come up here next year. And I can't imagine not coming up here, especially on Fridays. We've been giving, uh, this year I led a guided visualization. And the stories that I heard on the trail yesterday from the people that were at that, um, at that talk uh, just not only confirm the work that I do in the world, but that I need to be up here and doing those things. So I can't imagine not coming back here. And it's just such a treat, like I said. So I think we'll be back here. And then the next thing for me is pacing one of my training partners at the Tahoe Rim 100 in July, which gives me swirly energy. And then the Havelina 100K. Boom. Jordy may need to join us at the 100K mm. in Havelina. Hmm. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Plant the seed. As your coach and host today of the podcast, I just want to say how proud I am of each and every one of you. Amazing. You guys have all gotten here through challenges, through hard work, and trusting the process. And I want to congratulate you all. There's so much more inside of you. I can see it just from your training and from your notes and feedback. And I, I can't be 
any happier with how you guys uh, performed yesterday. So congratulations and uh, on to the next up-leveling opportunity. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, it's all over. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Coach. Yes, thank you. <laughs>